Welcome to the Hands-On Business Podcast, where else are you going to come to get tips, tricks, and advice on growing your business? As you know, what people tend to love about this podcast is that it is a place where you can hear real business leaders discussing systems, methodologies, and strategies that they have used to help them catapult growth in their business. So I'm your podcast host, Hakeem Adebiyi, and I've grown several small businesses to multi-million pound enterprises and noticed that there wasn't really a place that focused on where I was, i.e. growing a small business. All of the content that seemed to be out there was about big business and often just a lot of theory and no practical implementable advice, which is exactly why I set up this podcast. So I'm joined by Oscar Trimboli on today's show. Really exciting because he's going to be talking about listening. And I've always been one that's been really an advocate of active listening versus hearing. But Oscar really takes it to a different level because he's going to talk to us about the five levels of listening and deep listening. And more importantly, how that can be utilized to make your business more productive and to grow. So, you know, Oscar is the host of Apple award-winning podcast on deep listening. And I'm not going to go into all his credentials because he's got too many to mention. But once you start getting into the conversation and you start listening to the podcast, you'll realize why he's such a sought-after keynote speaker. And he's going to be talking about lots of different things about how we can be more productive, how we can prepare ourselves better, but more importantly, how we can use listening to really catapult the growth of a business. So I'm really excited to get into it with Oscar. So happy listening. Welcome back to the Hands On Business podcast. I want you to picture the scene, and I'm sure it's something that you can all relate to, especially post-COVID. So you've come out of one virtual meeting, and you're on to the next. No time to even grab a coffee, and your mind is still worrying with the actions from the last meeting, but this meeting is especially important, so you're ready. You jump on and you're straight into the agenda and you're really, really focused, of course. Your colleague is making a very important point and you're really, really listening. And at that point, a notification that an email has arrived with the action from the last meeting pops up. Now, it can't hurt to take a look, can it? So you do. You lose concentration momentarily, but then the point your colleague was making is lost. Now, you obviously don't want to tell them that you weren't listening. And since you kind of know what they were talking about, you ask them to clarify, carefully mentioning the points you remember so it looks like you were listening all the way through. Now, this happened to me last week, and you know, and I knew, that it's happening in the same way to most people on that call. So a 15-minute meeting becomes a 30 to 40-minute meeting due to all of the um, points of clarification. Then you multiply this up by however many meetings you've had and then you have a lot of unproductive time that could be spent more fruitfully. Now, imagine if you knew somebody who could help you to be more productive by using deep listening techniques that could help you to be more productive and hence drive growth within your business. Well, lucky for you, Oscar is that man, and he's on my show today. So I'm sure if I'd met Oscar Trimboli, the deep listening expert before that meeting, I would have done things very, very differently. So luckily, you don't have to go through the same experience that I did because Oscar is here to discuss that experience and also how to grow your business using the five levels of listening. So welcome to the show, Oscar. 
G'day, Hakim. I'm really curious about your questions today. And the first question I've got is actually one for you. What would you do differently now? Well, having read your book, <laughs> um, um, I would have certainly turned off my notifications. And actually, I was discussing it with my wife yesterday because I was talking about my intro. And she said, well, the first thing you do is turn off your notifications. And I said, yeah, no, you're right. And I think the second thing, which is exactly what I did today, is I would get in the zone, which I'm sure you'll talk about, you know, and not have back-to-back meetings. So I'd have put a space between the first meeting and the second meeting. So you almost decompress between meetings so that when you go into the second meeting, you are, I mean, because I, I, I said in that intro, I was really focused. Well, I, it's impossible to be really focused when my mind still got all of the actions flowing from the previous meeting. So yeah, th- those are the two things I think certainly I would have done. And then the third thing would have been almost set a few ground rules for the meeting so that everybody was doing what I was doing, i.e. decompressing, turning the notifications off and making sure that we're all focused on what we're actually trying to achieve for that meeting rather than just bundling through and going through like a you know whirling dervish. Yeah, and... Welcome to everybody's struggle when it comes to listening. It's easy to say it. It's difficult to practice it. When you use, I'm just going to give you two really quick techniques because listening happens before, during, and after a conversation. If you are the host of any meeting, whether that's face-to-face or virtual, my invitation to you is don't book a meeting at the top of the hour. Don't book a meeting at the bottom of the half hour. If you're scheduling a one-hour meeting, don't. Schedule a 50-minute meeting. Schedule a meeting that starts at 5 after the hour and finishes at 5 to the hour. Now, you can't control any meetings that you're not creating. But there's two types of meetings that happen, Hakeem. Here's a really good example. Meeting starts at the top of the hour. You rush from back to back, as you've just said. You arrive physically at the meeting on time at the top of the hour. But for the first five minutes of the conversation, you're still processing the last one, as you just explained so beautiful with your story. When my clients dial into a five-past-the-hour meeting, they always, without fail, say to me, Oscar, I love coming to your meetings. I get to go to the bathroom, I get to get a cup of tea, I get to have some lunch, but more importantly, I get ready. Now, what's really interesting is both people arrive physically and mentally into the meeting at five after the hour. It's just the experience you create in setting up a container for a great conversation is completely different when you book it at five past the hour. Now, please, if you do book it at five past the hour, tell the person you're doing it because they will habitually turn up to your meeting at the top of the hour and think you're late coming at five past. So (laughs) tip number one, give yourself a fighting chance. Get some time back in your schedule. Time was completely different before the railway system. Time in Austria was completely different to time in the UK. And the only way we knew about time was sunrise and sunset and the ringing of some church bells or the call to prayer. Now, time is fictitious. Although we were very religious about it and we measure time and we count time and we use time, 
if we create a container that people can listen, you're off to a great start. So tip number one, if you're the host of the meeting, put it in a container that's 50 minutes long or 25 minutes uh, long if it's a half-hour meeting. As you mentioned, Hakim, when you're listening, you don't have to ask people to clarify, repeat, or worse still, you don't. And then you come back to the next meeting with a result for them that they go, oh, hey, that's not what I said in the last meeting, and you have to rework. When you apply these tips, you're going to get back our, our, our ambassadors, the people we're tracking in a listening study over the last five years, say they get between two and four hours a week back in their schedule when they use these tips. Tip number two, use the technology. Don't let the technology use you. And that's the tip you already made about the notification. Android, iOS, Mac, PC, doesn't matter. There's one button that switches off all the notifications. And if you want to get cute and sexy, there's one button that switches off all the notifications when your calendar says you're in a meeting. Now, this has the impact of not only switching off the notifications, but it closes the browser tabs in your own mind. Because a lot of us come to meeting with browser tabs and browser tabs and browser tabs. Apparently, the magic answer is $2.99. You can't have more than $2.99 browser tabs open on Google <laughs> Chrome, by the way. Uh, then it just collapses. But a lot of us come to a conversation, Hakeem, and don't know where our listening battery is at. So let's play a game. Coming into this conversation, what color is your listening battery right now? Is it green? Is it yellow? Is it orange? Is it red? Or is it about to shut down? I would say it's between, and I, I was going to ask you this question, mm -hmm. actually, it's between orange and green. So if you'd asked me that before I started reading your book, I'd have said it's green. Because I'd say, well, I'm really concentrated. Mm -hmm. I'm making notes to make sure I don't uh, miss anything. And this is the question I was going to ask, actually, was because when in your book you talk about the person who's doing the study on Auschwitz for survivors, and you said that they didn't use any hmm. notes, they didn't use any, you know, recording devices. And I was really thinking, so, okay, so how are they? Because they're really listening, and that's the whole point. And I always thought that actually it's really important to make notes to make sure that I don't miss anything. So I would have definitely said green, but the reason I'm saying amber green is because I'm, I'm still taking notes because I want to make sure that I can, I'm going to ask relevant follow-up questions. So if taking notes is fine, <laughs> then I'm definitely a, a heavy green. If taking notes somehow... Yeah, so note-taking is fine. Okay. Note-taking is fine. So, so, yeah. I'd say, so I'd definitely say green so, then. I'd say green. Fantastic. For many of us, we not only don't know what colour our listening battery is, we don't know when to say no to somebody to say, Hakim, now's not a great time for me. I've got a lot on. Can we come back in half an hour? Because I can bring my full attention to the conversation then. So be aware of your listening batteries and just have fun with it. It's like, what, what color do you think you are going into the conversation? Because some people, if you're going to go into a conversation with them, they'll take you from green to red in about 30 seconds. And there's some people that'll take you from green to yellow to orange to red over four hours. The point of the listening battery isn't what color it is. The point of the listening battery is how do you recharge it? How do you recharge a listening battery if you're going into a conversation that you've got to be really present for? I want to give you two really, really practical tips. By the way, 
Heather Morris, who you mentioned, who interviewed Auschwitz survivors. What she didn't say in the book, and if you listen to the full interview on the, on the audio book, she said the first thing she did after she said goodbye to Lali is she raced into her car and spent the next hour taking notes. But she realized that she's a visual thinker. Okay. She's a visual listener. And some of us don't even realize that we're that primary auditory, which I sense you are. You hear things first, you see things second. She's a scriptwriter for movies, so they tend to be very visual in their approach. So not having the clutter or not being distracted was really crucial to her. But what she did next was spend the next hour literally going from beginning to end and taking very rigorous notes. And she said often she was worried her, her car battery might uh, go flat because <laughs> uh, she, she puts the light on in the, in, the, in the car, but she didn't switch it on. So um, just be careful with the kind of notes you take. I think you're skillfully taking notes because you're taking notes for points, whereas people who take notes like stenographers verbatim trying to get full sentences and all of that, that's not really listening. If that's that important to capture their full sentence or something like that, just pause and just say, look, what you said is really important, Hakim. I just want to capture that or I just want to write that down. Could you just wait? I just want to write that down. And a good speaker will wait for the listener to do that and they'll notice they're doing that too. So back to the tips about how do you recharge your listening batteries. So we've got the notifications off. We're using the technology. We're not letting the technology use us. And the, and the next tip is drink a glass of water before you go into the conversation and drink a glass of water every 30 minutes in the conversation. Now, if you're a host in a face-to-face -face meeting, and if you can't see what Hakim did, but he just showed me his glass of water and I reciprocated with a <laughs> bottle and a glass. Now, what happens physically and physiologically and neurologically for us when we drink water, it sends a signal here just around the chest and the lungs to a part of the nervous system called parasympathetic nervous system. And when you relax that, it sends a signal back to the brain that says, everything's okay, relax. And it has the effect of starting to shut down some of the browser tabs in your mind, working memory that you're using to remember the last meeting or anticipate the next question or whatever you're doing next. If you're the host in a face-to-face -face meeting, please make sure you've got a jug of water and glasses filled for all the participants in the meeting. And if you're doing a virtual meeting, a Zoom, a Teams, a, a whatever, a FaceTime or WhatsApp, just make sure that if you're the host, you're drinking water throughout. And that's a signal for everyone to pause, take their time. And it just gives everybody a little moment. And a lot of people say, hey, I was yellow before, but now, now I'm moving up to orange or green. I'm moving, I'm recharging a little bit. And then the next tip is notice your breathing. If you don't have water available, just take a deep breath and that'll send virtually the same neurological signal to the parasympathetic nervous system. Everything's okay. And it'll send a signal back to the brain to shut down one more of your browser tabs. Now, if you get the before listening and the beginning of listening right, the rest is going to be easy. Yet, if you don't have the foundation in place, your house is going to struggle to stay up. 
And for many of us, we don't realize the cost of not listening. As business owners, cost of not listening, staff who leave before they should. Customers who leave because you're not providing the service they anticipated. And the worst one of all is this, and listen to it fully. It's winning that customer you really, really, really wanted to win. But you didn't actually listen to what they want, so they become really unprofitable. They become really frustrated, and they become your worst nightmare. (laughs) Not only do they not tell you this, they tell everybody else who's a potential buyer that they know what a poor service your organization is providing or what a poor product your organization is providing. So the cost of not listening is reduced revenues, reduced profitability, unhappy customers, unhappy employees. And if you have to deal with media or regulators or governments, you need to listen just as well in those situations to those stakeholders too. So the cost of not listening is something we don't anticipate. Yet let me flip it the other way. I'll tell you a story about Phil. Phil is somebody I have never sold anything to. Phil works in Singapore and in about 2015, he rang me up and said, hey, Oscar, um, I'd like to work with you on this particular project. Uh, I was referred by Ian. Um, Your background sounds a perfect fit. So I asked Phil, what's he trying to achieve? And he explained it fully. And I said, Phil, I would love to help you. But I know somebody who can help you even more. I'm not the best person to help you. I'd like to refer you to Dermot. Dermot does exactly this in a way I could never do. And he said, oh, okay, well, if you could make an introduction, that'd be great. So I made the introduction. He loves Dermot. Off we go. Phil has referred more clients to me than the clients who pay me. <laughs> Phil is a one-man sales machine. <laughs> and how I, I, rang him, I rang him up about two years later. I said, Phil, what's going on? We never actually worked together. How come you keep referring me? He says, Oscar, you were very clear about what you do, but more importantly, you were clear about what you don't do. And the only reason you could be clear is because you asked me a few more questions than other people asked me. And, I, and he talked about a poor experience he had with a previous provider, which is the one Phil has been telling about his poor experience since 2013, because he told me in that meeting as well. So when we think about, wow, why should I listen? There's some perfectly good commercial reasons why listening matters to business owners. When you listen really well to existing customers, you will notice one thing. Customer complaints, if you listen carefully, they're product development opportunities. If you listen to customer complaints, that's the current pain they have about something. And you can be a really powerful, impactful business partner for them by solving the problem for them. Or if you can't, refer them to somebody in your network who know can solve that problem. A lot of us go, oh, I can't refer to that. I really, really, really need the business. Yeah. At what cost? 
So I'm curious, Hakim, all that's going through your head. What are you hearing when I talk about the cost of not listening in those scenarios? And then when you listen, your customers become your biggest sales organization. Yeah, it's it's exactly as you said. I mean, there's a couple of things that pop into my mind. The first one, actually, with that example of Phil, uh, and we t- I talk about this a lot on the show with lots of different people, it's honesty and integrity. Um, because that's another thing that plays into it. The fact that you didn't say to Phil, yes, I can do it. And then you'd have probably done a good job, but you might not have done the best job. But the fact mm. that, you to- you, you, that you were prepared to refer him to someone who you thought was the best person shows that you're honest, you've got integrity, and therefore he feels much more comfortable. And as you said, because you've listened to his pain points, you've then been able to identify that and you've then got more business out of it. So that's that's number one. Number two that comes into mind is, is an experience that I had <laughs> recently when we went to buy a car. And it was a, a second car mm. for my wife. It was just an upgrade to the car she had. We knew exactly what we wanted. But we came out after about an hour and a half of saying the same thing over and over again. We don't want credit. We can pay for it. We don't need... And he kept trying to sell us credit. We just left in the end. So that really triggered me because I was thinking, because in the car, my, my wife actually worked for a, a large telecommunications company as head of customer experience. So we had a very interesting discussion on the way hmm. back. And we were just saying, he just didn't listen. And he was obviously hearing what we were saying, but he had an agenda in his mind, which happens a lot of the times, especially in sales. And he wanted to sell finance, obviously. It was very clear to me what he wanted to do. And he therefore lost a paying customer and just as you'd said there, I've told everyone about it. I've written a LinkedIn post about it. I've spoken to you about it. I think I've done something on my podcast. So he has not only lost a customer, he's lost any potential customers that I would refer to him. So yeah, I think Mm. not listening means that actually you don't win the business. And if you do win the business, exactly as you said, it can be an absolute disaster. And I really, uh, it really resonates what you said about, I think people often look at, complaints or issues as a disaster, whereas I, like you, always look and say, okay, so that's they're telling me something that's a gap in what I'm doing. So it's an opportunity for me to improve myself, my service, or my product. So yeah, those are the things that, that come out mm-hmm. uh, from what, you, what you've just said. Can, can we go back to the dealership for a moment? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> well, what's the question that person could have asked you that they didn't? I think even just a simple, you know, what is it that you're looking for? What are you going to use the car for? What brings you here today? Just some simple general opening questions, just to get a sense of what I'm looking for and what me and my wife are looking for, rather than he just wants to sell a car and he's not really bothered what car he sells. So I think, yeah, that those sort of questions just to start off can you remember the first question he asked you um i i remember that it was hard to get his attention to start off with uh and i think i think he just introduced himself actually i think he introduced himself and said can i help you so it it was it was a it was a super generic Mm. question can i help you yeah obviously you can but (laughs) yeah how can you help me rather than can you help me yes i I think that Mm. was the first question can i help you ah yeah. Uh, well, I love how you just changed the first word there. How can I help you? That would have been a really powerful yeah. question for the seller to ask. Uh, a lot of us 
try to get into situations like that and we're not conscious that I'll, I'll ask you a simple question where are you in your buying journey um in terms of that specific car the car yeah. if i asked you that question after how can i help yeah. you and then my next question is hey where are you in the yeah. buying journey well my, my answer you would have said my, my, i would have, i would have said i'm ready to buy <laughs> i say i know what i want and i i want that car or a car that has those features you know it, it, so to me it was a mm. real simple sell to be honest <laughs> <laughs> there you go the cost of, the cost of not listening and i think before we all get a little bit judgmental, we don't know what's going yeah. on in that person's world on that day. And we just need to be conscious maybe they had a bad day. But as a, as a working example, the, these are common and memorable when they're big ticket items. You, you know, no matter how wealthy you are, you, you might buy 10 cars in your lifetime, you know, on average. So he's not only missed out on that sale, uh, he's, he's missed out on all the potential referral. Oh, look, I'm going to go back a long, long, long way now. 1987, I was an audit clerk in a Jaguar dealer in Australia. And I, that was my first job ever in the workforce. I used to work with my dad concreting in, in my holidays uh, during school time. But uh, I asked my manager, I said, wow, all these cars, they're so expensive. How many salespeople do they need for all these cars? I said, just one. His name's Daryl, and Daryl is amazing. And I thought, oh, you know, a salesperson, they've got to be really good at talking, and they're really charismatic, and they're really outward going. And when I met Daryl in the kitchen of this dealership daryl was quiet he was reserved but he was so curious about me and i thought wow he doesn't know me from a bar of soap but he's asking me all these questions anyway i explained that to robert two weeks later and he said daryl writes more birthday cards and christmas cards and special occasion cards then he writes contracts but every single person knows who daryl is and refers him because he listens he asks people when their birthdays were he asks people what significant event they might be buying the car towards or something like that curiosity flexibility and openness in our research work on twenty six thousand workplace listeners this is what great listeners have in common so Daryl was an expert in not only listening to what's said, but he was also a ninja in listening to what's not said. Now, many of us don't know the difference. Like, oh, Oscar, I'm just struggling to listen to what is said. Well, you're kind of missing the big picture here. Good listeners listen to what's said, and great listeners notice what's not said. And when you know the maths, the science of listening, as well as the art of listening, the conversation, um, listening becomes light and easy, and you can recharge your listening batteries quite quickly. I'll just give you three numbers, Hakim. The, the three numbers, 125, 400, 900. This is my speaking speed, 125 words per minute. Yet I can think at 900 words per minute. 
So that means if you just listen to what I say the very first time, you're going to hear 14% of what I'm thinking. If you start to listen to what people think and what they mean, you'll ask a few more questions or you'll use the ninja move of listening. So listen carefully. I'm going to give it to you straight away. I'm not going to hold it back. Here it is. This is the ninja move of listening. Here we go. Silence and listen share the identical letters. And if you create space for anybody, it's like a magnet. It will just draw more out of them. And you will start to hear what they think and what they mean, not just what they say. If that car dealer would have listened to what you think and what you mean, okay, you would realize you're ready to buy today. I need that car. My wife needs that car. Can we just get it done? It sounded like you wanted to be very efficient about it. And all they did was create friction because they didn't listen to what you thought and what you meant. You literally meant you're ready to buy. And he probably had a listening filter that goes, oh, I hear that every day, but I've got to go through the process with them. Yeah. So when you hear that 14% of what people think is what they say the first time, how does that impact the way you think about listening now, Hakeem? I think it's, um, yeah, because I, I, when I read that, there was a fascinating number that I wrote down here to actually ask you about. And I think that what you were talking about, the silence and actually listening and actually giving you time to reflect on what people are saying makes me think, which is what you're always told as a salesperson, that you've got two ears, because it's, it's effectively what you're saying, if you've got two ears on, on one mouth. And I think that when you're in leadership positions, you feel that what you say is more important. So you're always thinking about your rhetoric, how are you going to put them, the message across, which is obviously still important. But I think exactly what you've just discussed there, what it makes me think is actually, if you listen more effectively, you pick out golden nuggets, which then allows you to ask less questions, to talk less, but actually be more impactful with the questions that you're actually asking rather than having to ask 15 questions to get to the point. Yeah. And when you ask effective questions, because all questions are not of equal weight, all questions aren't of equal direction, not all questions are of equal energy. When you ask these questions, the speaker feels seen, heard, and valued. And when they feel seen, heard, and valued, they'll tell other people about it. Particularly if you're in any kind of service industry as a business leader, your service, including how you communicate, is part of your offering. And you can significantly differentiate yourself from the competition just by listening. I was working with a client in 2018 and they were an advertising agency and they had a huge account. And the account was one of the casinos in Australia. And it was the kind of account I described earlier on. It was a customer that was huge but unprofitable for them. It was like marginal. They'd 
winsome work. They get a brief, they bring it back and the client will go, that's not what I said. And around and around and around it goes. Anyway, I got brought in and they, I was working with the leadership team and, and the suits, as they call them in the ad industry, the suits of the salespeople. And uh, I said, you know, tell me what's going on. And, and they explained, you know, rework, rework, Oscar, that they're not listening to us, you know. Teach us how to get them to listen to us. And uh, here's the insight. It wasn't that they weren't listening to the agency. The agency wasn't listening to what they were not saying. So I said, look, next time you take a brief, just ask them this question. Tell me more about that once they finish saying it. Tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. They tried it, tried it once, they tried it twice, they tried it three times. So we're getting marginal improvements, but it wasn't quite there. I said, okay, do you get on with the person, the chief marketing officer that you're dealing? Yeah, yeah, we get on well with them. I said, listen to what they mean now. Don't just listen to what they say and ask them that question. What does this mean for you? And what was fascinating was when that question was asked, there was five people in the room from the client and the chief marketing officer asked everybody else to leave except the agency. And when they left, they said these words. This is the most toxic work environment I've ever worked in. If you really want to help me, get me the hell out of here. <laughs> now, my client said, we're going to come back to you in a week. We don't have an answer for that, but we're going to come back to you in a week and we're going to get a collective head. So they came back and they, they thought about it and they went back in just a one-on-one -on -one this time. And they said, we're going to put together an award-winning advertising campaign with you that's going to make you so well-known in the industry that you're going to win an award and you'll be able to leave. It's going to take us a year. It's not going to be easy but the client completely changed. Now, what happened two years later, that client went on to a much bigger organisation, rang the agency up without any competitive brief and gave them the entire marketing spend in the new organisation as well. Sometimes people can't say what they want to say because others are present in the room and you've got to be conscious about that. Sometimes that's that, just a simple corner coffee shop conversation where you can hear things and they feel comfortable telling you things. But if you don't have rapport, they're not going to tell you this is the world's most toxic environment. <laughs> I've got to get the hell out of here. Or any version of that. They could say, you know, I'm really struggling with my manager or I'm really struggling with the reorganization and whatever it is. If you're just listening to the first thing they say, they will never tell you what they think and what they mean. And they'll give you some code words. If you ask simple questions like tell me more and what else, they'll say words like, actually, now that I think about it a little longer, what I haven't told you is, but, 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 but. ah, okay. Now that's a good signal for you because they trust you enough to say that. So listen for actually. Actually. 
listen for what I should have said was, listen for what really matters to me right now. Although we've covered off a lot, Hakim, there's something I need to get off my chest. These are all code words telling you what they haven't said. And unlike the salesperson in the motor vehicle dealership who was trying to sell you a car with finance, they have a script. If you're opened, if you're flexible, if you're curious, a great a listener changes the way a speaker communicates. They will be more concise. They will be more direct because there's higher trust and rapport in the dialogue because they know you're present and they know you're curious. And what point or area does body language, because obviously you're listening, you know, because I, I put these down as code words, which is what you said. So is there visible cues for or code words for actually and what really matters to me right now? Is there other things that you can pick up on when you're listening? The big one is this. If you're really tapping into the thing that they think and what they mean, is they will do this. They'll go, actually, their head will tilt differently on their spine. Their shoulders will become more erect. They will try and fill themselves out because nobody's heard them say this before. Now, don't overread body language, but typically there's a physical state change meaning the energy of the speaker through their breathing and their body position, not, you know, their arms are crossed or there's a twitch in their right eyebrow, none of that. Typically, there's a deep breath in, typically there's a big exhale, and typically their body posture will change. And you, as the listener, have created that because nobody's given them enough attention before to actually say what they are about to say. But if your head's buried in a phone, a tablet, a laptop, while you're in that, or you're distracted by notifications, you're going to miss that signal. And if all you're doing is listening for actually, it could just be an actually in the sentence, as opposed to (sighs) actually two completely different actuallys. If you want to play the experiment, what are you noticing in my body language over the video about how I'm listening to you? I think the the fact you're looking direct into the camera, the fact that you are pausing a lot, you're breathing, you've got quite engaged facial expressions and you're doing this, and then now you the fact that you've got your hands like that indicates to me that you're actually listening to what I'm saying Uh, And I've noticed with your hands, your hands are always pretty much visible. So uh, you're not distracted. Because obviously on video, you can be doing about 15 different things. People can't actually see that you're doing it. But those those cues when your eyes are looking off to one direction give you a thing. All right, so what are they actually looking at? They're not looking at me. And again, be careful. This doesn't translate across all cultures. But obviously in Western English-speaking cultures, eye contact is important. And our research tells us it's one of the top three things that speakers get frustrated about listeners who are not making consistent eye contact, as an example. 
So you have outlined some brilliant tips for people on how to listen on video conference. Number one, look into the camera lens, and that takes a lot of discipline because your face right now is at about a 45-degree angle to me, and the temptation is for me to be looking at your face. But that's not helpful to you. I'm here to serve you and your audience, so I'm straight down the camera lens. And yes, when I'm listening to you, I'm using my face as a signal to say, hmm, I'm listening, I'm nodding, I'm engaged, and all of those things. The other tip is uh, we, we interviewed somebody from Stanford University who's done a Zoom fatigue study. And she, they've studied over 20,000 folks. And the number one thing she said was switch off your self-view on Zoom. Most people don't know that button exists mm. because it acts like a mirror and your mind, your energy, and your attention gets drawn into how you look. Wow, Oscar, can't believe how bald you are. Oh, my God, Oscar, <laughs> look at those wrinkles on your face. Oh, Oscar, smile a bit more. And while you're having that self-talk, you're not in the conversation. Now, Zoom have added that feature in in the last two years based on that research study. So a lot of people don't know that feature exists, whether you're in Microsoft Teams or WebEx or Google Meets or any of those platforms they all have a hide uh, self-view button. The other thing if you're a host is make sure you offer closed captioning to all participants in a meeting. So on Zoom, it's a button you set up and the attendee can switch it on or off, but it has to be available. This is really important if you work across organizations, teams, and projects where the primary language you're speaking isn't the home language of the participant. And in an increasingly global way of working, this is important. And what it does for me when I am in a meeting and I have closed captioning turned on, I can relax when I'm listening because if I just missed what was said, I've got about a two-second delay on the transcript coming up on closed captioning. And I can subtly look down at it and go, oh, okay, that word makes sense. Yes, that's what they said. As opposed to what you said in the beginning in your story, <laughs> yeah. where you kind of did the loop and say, Could, I'd love to answer that. Could you just confirm? You know, <laughs> gives, yeah. closed captioning gives you a second chance. And we've got a, a wonderful 105-page guide called How to Listen on a Zoom Meeting. That gives you step-by-step -step all, all of these kinds of instructions as well. So thanks for noticing how I've been listening. On that point, because those are some cues and those are things that people talk about when they're talking about active listening. So hmm. how would you, and most salespeople who do sales training will have heard of active listening. What's the difference hmm. between active listening and deep listening, would you say? It's really simple. Active listeners do a great job at listening to what's said and deep listeners notice what's not said. Uh, okay. What's said versus what's not said. Okay, yeah. So you, and the, active, the active listening movement is really, really important, started in the 1980s. And it will teach you to paraphrase and to confirm and to summarize. And these are all critical things to do. 
but what you're paraphrasing and summarizing is 14% of the conversation. I don't know about you, I'm not a gambling man myself, but I would rather gamble with the 86% of what they haven't said rather than the 14% of what they have said. And to do that, I will use silence, I will ask, tell me more, and I'll say, and what else? And all of a sudden, people will engage with me in a completely different way. So what took you on this journey then? Because obviously you just talked about you, you're working with your father, you then moved into um, a Jaguar dealership. So what's then <laughs> taking you from there to all of a sudden now being a, you know, a, a world-renowned deep listening expert? Well, to know that you have to go back into a boardroom in April of 2008. I'm a marketing director of Microsoft in Australia, and there's a 18-people video conference between Sydney, Seattle, and Singapore. Seattle was our head office. Singapore was our regional office, and we were setting the budget. It was a 90-minute meeting, and these meetings are renowned for going over time, two, three, four hours, because the budget has to be set. Nobody can leave the room until the budget is set. Now, it's a meeting that is a series of meetings, and that was the final meeting. At the 20-minute mark, my vice president in the room, Tracy, looked me straight in the eye and said, Oscar, I need to see you immediately after this meeting. That's the equivalent of, honey, we need to talk. <laughs> yeah. And the only thing going through my head was, uh, I didn't listen to the rest of the meeting, to be honest. The only thing going through my head was, how many weeks of salary have I got left in the bank account? And how up-to-date is my CV? And what would I talk about in a job interview? And who can I ring up straight after I get fired to start looking for a job? Now, what was miraculous, the meeting finished 70-minute mark, 20 minutes early. And as everybody was leaving, including me, Tracy said, Oscar, close the door when you come back. Because I was trying to get out of the room, right? <laughs> And as I was walking back to this big, long Battlestar Galactica boardroom with video conferencing equipment, as I was about to, I was about four paces before I'm sitting down, Tracy said to me, you have no idea what you did at the 20-minute mark, do you? And I thought, great, I'm getting fired and I don't even know what I did. Anyway, I sat down. Tracy said, if you could code how you listen, you could change the world. Now, this is profound, amazing, insightful listening on Tracy's part. Yet, I'll be honest with you, the only thing going through my head was the closed captioning that nobody could see was, I haven't been fired. Yes, I can put all that money back in my bank account. But because I wasn't listening and I held the biggest product, revenue lines at Microsoft, some of my product lines, which typically had budget line increases of 13, 14, 15%, I got 31, 32, 33% growth. It's like, oh, my God, I'm in trouble. And uh, I didn't think anything of it as I walked out of the room. I thought, yeah, great, Tracy, listening, blah, blah, whatever. Two weeks later, my CFO, my chief financial controller, Brian, said, hey, we're setting the budget next week. Can you come and audit my listening? And I just, I did this. I put my hand on my forehead <laughs> and I went, 
Brian, I got 32% increase in in a particular product area. I haven't got time for this listening cape that you and Tracy are dreaming up about me. I, I, I got to figure out how to deliver on this uplift. He goes, Oscar, I can't help your top line, but I can invest in growth in discretionary ways, which was music to my ears. It's like, sure, Brian, when's the meeting and where would you like me to be? And... Uh, <laughs> As I walked into a meeting with another group of 18 people with video conferencing facilities all around Australia with state and industry leaders all about to fight for their budget, I was in there as an observer and I was auditing Brian's listening. And it's like, wow, he asks really long questions. Wow. He interrupts a lot. Wow. Uh, he only hears from a handful of people. There's a lot of people in this meeting he hasn't heard from. And I thought, oh, no, Oscar, you're coding how to listen. They've got you. And from that moment on, I thought the difference between hearing and listening is action. And I had to honour that amazing moment of listening on Tracy's part. And I've spent the rest of my life coding how to listen through a listening quiz, through podcast series, through three books, through jigsaw puzzle games, through the Deep Listening Ambassador community, through our research with 26,000 people, through research studies, tracking people about how their listening's improving. And that's where it started in a very innocuous comment about, I need to see you immediately after this meeting. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because it, it shows, obviously, Tracy uh, was very insightful, but also the reason why her and your CFO were interested is because they thought it could improve their bottom line, which is what this is what this is all about. Because you know, there'll be some people thinking, "Oh, yeah, well, it's great to be listening," but how does that really impact? And, and I think you've explained quite clearly right at the outset all of the things that you lose if you don't listen, and the things that you gain if you do. So, in terms of just a little cheat sheet, because we said we're going to talk about, if you were to say just quick fire what are the five levels of learning because you've gone through quite a lot of them just for people who haven't listened <laughs> as intently as they could do what are those five levels yeah so the five levels of listening are level one listen to yourself level two listen to the content for level three four and five we stop listening to things and we start to listen for things so at level three we're listening for context those words we talked about earlier on, actually, what I really mean, those kinds of things. Level four, you're listening for what's unsaid. And level five, you're listening for their meaning. Good listeners try and make sense of what's said. Great listeners help the speakers to say what they think and what they mean. And when you change your listening orientation, to helping the speaker say what they mean, conversations become shorter and listening becomes lighter. Your listening batteries won't need to be as charged because it won't take as much effort when you do it. Excellent. Thank you very much. And if people want to get the book, because I've already recommended the book to quite a few people, <laughs> actually, um, because if, if it does really make you think about if you said how much you're talking you know what you're doing in terms of really listening for what's said and you know th just the breathing exercises that you talk about and, and the exercises that are in the book 
which is so for people who haven't read it obviously it's it's not just good because it gives you some insight into research and and obviously all of oscar's um work that he's done but it gives you some very practical exercises all the way through the book so you can try them and it talks about listening buddies etc which uh, my, my wife have started utilizing actually um so where can they get the book from first of all make sure you give a copy of the book i'm about to send you to that car dealer i'd love you to send yes. that copy of the book to the car <laughs> dealer or give me the address of the car dealer and i'll send it direct to them if you want to get a copy of the book anywhere you buy books from you'll find it there the if you like to learn what are the barriers that get in your way of your listening as well, you can take the seven-minute listening quiz, visit listeningquiz.com, and you'll get a report. You'll find out what's getting in your way. But more importantly, because I'm a practitioner, not a theoretician, I'm not an academic, I also give you three very specific tips about what to do about those specific listening barriers based on our research so that you can move your listening from noticing what's said to noticing what's not said and shortening your meetings because you're listening to what they mean. Thank you very much. I mean, hard to believe that an hour has gone by, but it has, and it's been absolutely as inspirational as I was hoping it would be, uh, and I'm sure that all my listeners will uh, appreciate it and agree. So I always ask my guests before they go, if there's one thing, and this is interesting actually because I always say, if there's one thing that you could leave people with if they weren't listening to everything else, but I would hope on this podcast they were listening to everything else. <laughs> <laughs> but if there's one thing that you can leave people with, what would that be, Oscar? I think as people that are running their own businesses, uh, just have a bit of compassion for yourself and celebrate your milestones along the way. Creating and leading your own business is hard. That it can be joyful, it can be humorous, it can be something that's transformational. Try and make sure you celebrate as you go along the way because in the grind to do everything that we need to do as business owners, sometimes we just miss those little celebrations along the way. Be kind to yourself and celebrate your little successes along the way. Thank you very, very much, Oscar Trimboli, deep listening expert. It's been an absolute pleasure. And all of the things that Oscar mentioned in terms of the deep listening, sort of the listening quiz, etc., will be in the podcast description so that you'll be able to go and take that. So thank you very much, Oscar. Thanks for listening. <laughs> well, 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 an absolutely illuminating episode of the Hands-On Business Podcast with Oscar Trimboli. And, you know, I've taken loads out of that, so I know you will have. There's lots of things that my mind is buzzing in terms of what I'm going to put into action. The things about scheduling meetings, not doing it at the top of the hour. The real in-depth five-step process he talks about in terms of the levels of deep listening, comparing that to what active listening is around. And I could go on. I've just got loads of stuff that I've taken out of that episode. So really appreciate the time that Oscar spent with us. And I know that you will have too. The simple question is, and it's always the question you should be asking yourself when you listen to my podcast, what are you now going to do differently, which is going to make a change in your business life? 
don't forget to check out the show notes at www.thesalesaccelerationformula.com and as always subscribe like and share with your friends colleagues and anyone else who you think may be interested but most of all keep the feedback coming so that we can continue to improve and give you more of what you like hope you enjoyed this as much as i did and as i always do keep listening and keep growing